I'm Heather. And I'm Carrie. And welcome to When Calls the Podcast. We are two sisters that love everything One Calls the Heart. And we will be recapping every episode starting with season one. Hey hearties, welcome to When Calls the Podcast, where we talk everything One Calls the Heart. Hey Carrie. Hey Heather, how's it going? It's going good. What's new with you? Well, we just got back from a short little road trip to Buffalo, New York, so mm-hmm. it was quite fun. We did all the things, Niagara Falls, saw a friend while we were there. Yes. It was great. It was fun. And we also went to Jamestown, New York, the <laughs> home of Lucille Ball, and I was slightly fangirly. Oh my goodness. It was a very last impromptu thing. We had no idea about this museum. I knew she was born in Jamestown, New York. But I didn't realize there was a museum there. Yeah, fangirling might be an understatement. Okay, I was, oh, I knew we were fans of the show, but until we got there, I'm like, I'm a huge fan of this show. Yeah, like seeing these iconic outfits from the Isle of Lucy show um, that she wore. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was wonderful. And then they had even, um, like, the sets, like how the sets looked. Yes. And so you felt like you were in the TV show. It was like they had, like, when they were in New York, that set. And the Hollywood set. The Hollywood set. Yes. And the kitchen. I know. As soon as I peeked around the corner of the museum and saw the sets, I I just looked at Kira like, Carrie, you've got to see this. And I was so excited. So, of course, we had to get all the selfies in the set, take pictures. And And around town, they have about five or six different murals, like, Mm -hmm. on different buildings from, like, yeah, like I Love Lucy, like the Vitamin Regimen, yes. and different ones like that. And then, of course, she's buried there. So that was kind of sad, that of was course. Sad. But it was really, it was like a really fun thing just to do at the last minute. I know, because we were not planning on doing it at all. It was just totally last minute, and it was worth it. It was one of my yeah. highlights of our trip. I know. <laughs> I would say that. And then, of course, seeing Niagara Falls. Niagara which Falls. Was gorgeous. We had never been, but my mom and dad had honeymooned there. there so. Yeah, except they were on the Canadian side. Oh, that's right. And, of course, with COVID, we still can't get to Canada yet. We waved to Canada we waved. from afar. We're like, Canada, Canada. we love you. <laughs> And we found some amazing bubble tea in <gasps> oh Buffalo. Oh, my word. I think it was some of the best bubble tea I have ever had. Oh, my. It was amazing. It was. It I'm was, craving it right now. It's it was incredible. Them. It was called milk and tea. So, wasn't it? Yeah, it was milk a, and tea. Yeah. You kept right. on getting it wrong. <laughs> I was saying milk and honey. <laughs> it was called milk and tea, and it's around the Buffalo area. So, if you live in Buffalo, go check that place out. Yeah. It is it was so good. So good. And Hannah got pho. If you don't yeah. know what pho is, it's a soup with noodles and meat, and etc. And it looked really good. But that bubble tea. Mm, it was amazing. I am dreaming of that bubble tea. No, let's just drive there now. And go. <laughs> let's um, just go. Yeah, for us, it wasn't a long drive at all. It's like, no. I don't know why we hadn't been there beforehand. It's only like five, five and a half hours mm-hmm. for us. So. Yeah. We're in Ohio, so. Yes, so we're going to have to go back to Buffalo, New York, just yeah. for that milk tea. And it was great seeing Hannah. Yes, she's a blast. We're going to try to get her on our podcast yeah. one of these days. We thought about trying to record an episode with her because she is a One Calls a Heart fan, but we were also tired, and she's expecting a baby, yes. so it just didn't, yeah. It just didn't work it out didn't for work us. Out. We were, like, but we brought our stuff to maybe do it. But yeah, we're 
considering maybe a Christmas movie of One Calls the Heart episode and have her husband have her come husband on. come on too. So I think that's gonna be incredibly funny. Yeah. He does great commentary yes. <laughs> on he movies. Does. So that's our plans for the future. Yes. So yes. yeah. All right. Well, are you ready to dive in? I am. Okay. Our episode today is Cease and Desist, episode two of season one. So at the top of the episode, where we kind of left off, was the widows receiving... Where did it start? I think it started with Elizabeth writing in her journal, and then somebody typing on the typewriter, and you see this letter, and I paused to read it, which later they read it, Elizabeth Okay, but... Or Abigail, but um, yeah, it tells about the women are given 14 days to vacate their property. Yes, yes, 14 days. And so the scene opens up with one of the Pinkertons putting on a sign on the row houses only for the widows. And Abigail comes out and Elizabeth does as well. And Kat comes and says that, yeah, they're only on the widows' houses. Yeah, and... I mean, Abigail made uh, made mention that, you know, she should have saw this coming, but she didn't. But my question is, why didn't she see it coming? Why didn't they see it coming? I mean, did they think? Because obviously they had a contract with the company. Yeah. And later on, Gowan even says that, that mm-hmm. you know, you, we've had this contract. So why were they so surprised yeah. that, that Gowan's kicking them out? That was my question, too, because... Yeah, Gowan has all right to kick them out. We talked about this mm-hmm. in the previous episode that where you feel bad for the widows, but Gowan has every right because they're the coal mining company's yeah. row houses. I mean, in an ideal world, since they lost their husbands to this job, mm-hmm. they should have been gifted the houses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, just like, we're sorry for your loss. You get yeah. to keep your home. Yeah, that's true. I never thought of that. But. I don't understand. I guess I don't get why they were so shocked. Because mm-hmm. I mean, they definitely know who, Gow- who Gowan is. <laughs> Gowan is, yeah. But. And another thing is, too, I feel like they weren't given very much time, though. Two yeah. weeks? That is. That is, like. I mean, mind you, their houses aren't as big as what we have today. <laughs> that's <laughs> but true. still, that's a short amount of time to find another place to live. Right. Well, and the thing is, is, like, the stagecoach only comes once a week. And mm-hmm. they have to move out of Coal Valley. They only have, like two weeks to figure this out where they're going if they're going to stay with family if they need a new house completely in Coal Valley and it sounds like they don't have very much money from their husband's pensions yeah no it's true it's a very very short amount of time to not so much to pack up the house and leave but to find arrangements yeah where are they gonna go just figure out what they're going to do Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah All right, well, Mr. Gowan receives quite the shock when the women go to work in the mine in order to keep their homes. Uh, And I was just thinking about this. So Gowan is talking with, it's not, he's not called a foreman. What is, Um, like, he's like an assistant or something like like that. that. Manager, possibly. Mm -hmm. And he sees, they think they're miners because they're dressed in the gear. And my question is, how did they get their mining gear? Were they their husbands? That's what my thought was. That it was their husbands? Because where else would they have gotten it? Unless they broke into the office or something. And <laughs> they just it. broke it and stole so they it. They had to have the hats and all they that. They had the everything because yeah. they just showed up. So I'm guessing it was their husbands because most likely their husbands had multiple outfits yeah. for the mine because 
they would have to be clean sometime. But it's kind of surprising that they fit perfectly for the women. Yeah. <laughs> Depending yeah, on her right? size with her husband. I believe Molly in a future episode uh, describes her husband as very big, like just very built big and her uh, outfit fits perfectly. <laughs> You're not supposed to pay attention to that part, Heather. <laughs> well, and I was thinking that, so Gowan like pretty readily agrees to letting the woman do this he's not i mean he only agreed because he knew he thought they were going to fail yeah he did not think they were going to last no that would be a, for him like rotten deal kind of to me yeah like if absolutely. he really wants those houses he's not going to yeah. give them up that easily and so he he thought for sure they were going to fail yeah in his mind he probably thought they would be finished by the end of the day they just yeah. be done they're yeah. like no we're not doing this but he agrees to let them come in and if you think of it can you imagine a historical woman going in to work in those mines with the whole pickaxe, the complete darkness? I can't even, for myself, I cannot even imagine doing that. But these yeah. are historical women. Sure, the Coal Valley women are made out of hardy stock, mm-hmm. but still. Yeah, I mean, I think it was definitely very difficult for them. But I think also, I mean, they lived in an era where they're used to very hard work. I mean, yeah. if you think about, you know, I know I referenced Little House on the Prairie, but I love that show. Anyway, yeah. but you know, you think about like Caroline Ingalls. I mean, she, you know, all the things that they did, like yeah. field work, you know, she helped Charles, like mm-hmm. helping build the cabin. Yeah. So they're used to hard work probably than compared to what we are today. Yeah. And even compared to Elizabeth, she was in that, born in that same time <laughs> period, but she was high society. So yeah. Anyways, I also thought it was really interesting that the women are willing to risk their lives yeah. to do this hard work and go in the mine. I mean, after they already lost their husbands, one, wouldn't it be traumatic just going back into the area where their husbands were killed? And then, I mean, I don't blame them for wanting to go to save their homes, but what if something to happen to them? Their children would be orphaned. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's what I was thinking too, is mainly just going back into that mine and just knowing that your husband and your sons died here. Oh my word. It would just, I feel like it would just be so hard going back into that mine. If it was me, I'd want to stay as far away from that mine as possible, but they're in a jam and they have to do something about it. Yeah. And I guess the other way to look at it is that they were kind of facing that fear. You know, I mean, a lot of us, like when there's something happens, like traumatic, you just want to run from it. They ran to it. They did. That kudos to them. Yeah. (laughs) So then anyway, we go to Elizabeth receives a shipment in front of the saloon. And that's a big shipment. It is, man. There's so many boxes. And so she is trying to pick them up and she's struggling. And I find it comical that Jack just comes out of the saloon. He stands there. He acts like he notices nothing that's going Mm. on. And then she's obviously struggling. And then he goes over and graciously helps her out. And he lifts it up so easily. But I did hear him, like, do a little, uh... Grunts? Grunt. Grunt. <laughs> <laughs> like, is grunt so a right must word? have been pretty heavy. So it must have been pretty heavy because he like did a little grunt sigh as he mm. picked it up. I can't blame Elizabeth too much. These two, they're just something else. I mean, one minute they're kind of being civil towards each other, and then the next minute they are just enemies. Like, enemies. 
Like, get it together. Get I, it together. But it's so comical. <laughs> I and I would watch it every day. I, it makes it more interesting. It makes it so hilarious. So they get the boxes inside, and Elizabeth opens them up, and there's a whole bunch of books for the school, and she finds a diary mm-hmm. as well. But what's tucked in that diary? Money. Moolah. Did you see that stack of cash? It was a lot. I wonder how much that was. I was curious of how much it would have been. Well, we also see a crate full of clothes, which Jack opens. So I'm guessing that kind of alludes to the previous episode where she loses everything. Yeah. All her clothes. So mm-hmm. I guess her maybe mom went out on a shopping spree instead yeah. of new clothes. Or maybe she still had clothes from she home. She probably still had clothes from home yeah. as well. So they just shipped a whole bunch to her. So the kids come in then and they're digging through everything. And they start digging through her clothes as well, which she wasn't too pleased about. But she was excited to show them the books, and yeah, it was really exciting for them. Then we see Rachel sitting at the table crying, and Elizabeth is like, what's wrong? And Rachel is sad because she doesn't want to leave Coal Valley. Mm -hmm. So Elizabeth, which I think is very great for a teacher to do, gives the assignment, the children the assignment of Coal Valley is my home because, because she knows they're going through stuff right now. It's a hard time. And so instead of just ignoring that, she brings it into the lesson, which I think is brilliant. Yeah, that's a great teacher for you. A little therapy there. Yeah, a little therapy. She's helping the children work through what they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. But that's another great thing about certain teachers like to stick on a certain Mm -hmm. schedule line you're doing this this and this but with Elizabeth she's a little bit more flexible and I appreciate that because she's willing to I'm losing my train of thought adjust her teaching style to fit the the children yes which is I think Heather's going to be a great teacher because she's very (laughs) I'm that way too I'm not just stick by the book type of person if I see or notice someone struggling a certain area I'm going to try to adapt to them Mm -hmm. or do whatever possible to make learning exciting for that individual child correct so then Elizabeth with that assignment has the children stand up and talk about their essays that they wrote which one was your favorite essay oh Probably Rachel's. That one was really sweet. You could really tell she was just speaking from the heart because she didn't even have any paper. And it really, I think that essay is the one that really resonated with Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. Like she really, you could tell that she was feeling something. Yeah, absolutely. And then I just have to kind of give a giggle over Gabe's (laughs) essay. (laughs) He wants to stay in Coal Valley because he got his first kiss there. And I just thought that was kind of funny. And then for... Poor, I think it was Cassandra. Do you think it was Cassandra that he was talking well, about? Well, the girl they kept on zooming up on. Yeah, that's Cassandra. Cassandra. Yeah, for sure. And poor thing. She was turning beet red, and I'm just like, Gabe, stop embarrassing her. <laughs> sure, the other kids don't know who it is, but still, just just be quiet. But it, it was still a sweet moment. Yeah, it was. <laughs> he wants to marry Cassandra. Will we ever figure out if they get married? Probably not. <laughs> I kind of wish I okay, could, Okay, that's one person they need to bring back on the show is Gabe. Yes, yes. So, such a good actor. Love yes. Him. Mm-hmm. We got to meet him, too. Oh, yeah. It was, was so hotel. much fun. Yeah. Yeah, we did our little, what was it? Meet and greet. I know, but we did this, this Oh, we did the Charlie's the, Angels. Charlie's Angels <laughs> pose with him. Which, His suggestion. Which, Secret Be Curious never watched Charlie's Angels, and we're just 
purely going by what he says. We have no clue what we're doing, so we just strike a pose and hope that's the right pose. Yeah, he's like, this dude shines ink her pose. No, we're like, what is Me and Carrie just look at each other, we're like, blink, blink, sure. Of course, we know exactly what that is. <laughs> Which, um, it's so popular, we should know what Charlie's Angels is. We know, know. know but we've never watched no. it. Hmm. And so I just felt a little ridiculous. Well, and like, we grew up and are still like in a more of a conservative home so we like didn't grow up like watching tv or yeah, anything like uh-huh. that so we're probably not as well versed in some things <laughs> certain certain movies pop culture movies um, all right anyway going back to our podcast <laughs> anyways um we see jack going to gowan's office and he's trying to kind of talk to gowan how saying that he doesn't think that the woman working in the mine is a good idea. I think he fears for their safety. And then Gowan states about the contract that he could have kicked them out sooner. And I think right now is Jack is getting very suspicious of Gowan. This is when we really know that Jack is like, something is off here. Like something's not quite right. Right. Well, and then for the time period to allow women, supposedly delicate women, to Mm -hmm. go into a mine is a (laughs) no-no. And Jack's very much a gentleman. And so Mm -hmm. him seeing Gowan allowing these women to go in a mine. And one thing I thought of, these women aren't trained. How are they supposed to even know how to work in a mine? Yeah, I mean, I think part of their work was just clearing the shaft. Yeah. So it wouldn't be like doing, I don't know, do they use dynamite, I guess, probably to blast Probably, out? yeah, um, dynamite, et cetera. What they use? If it's a mine, wouldn't they have the gases in there and stuff? You wouldn't want to use dynamite. Well, some know. places use dynamite. I'm not exactly sure what it was that for that was, yeah. time period. It depends on the time period, what they used. Okay. Well, and also back then, women... I mean, it was unheard of for a woman to, like, work outside the home. Yeah. You know? I mean, that was before feminism movement and all that. Let alone go into a mine and work. And, yeah, thank goodness they were just clearing the shaft Mm -hmm. because that's just, that's just dirty letting those women go in the mine because I had been reading, doing a little bit of research about the historical coal mining industry Mm -hmm. And, yeah, you had to be trained, of which a lot of them were on-the-job training. Okay. But still, like, there was always some type of accident that could go mm-hmm. majorly wrong. And just letting a whole bunch of these women go in the mine, I just... Really irresponsible. Yeah. I mean, I get why. But he should have at least gave them some training or sent in some of his guys to help them. That's it. That's it. He would not allow any men to help them, Mm -mm -mm. which I guess goes along with his thinking that they would give up right away. He didn't want to help them. No. He doesn't want to give over the rope. No, he doesn't. But, whew. When we see the scene of the woman coming out of the mine after I think it was their first date, and do oh they look so rough. Oh Poor yeah. Things. You see Cat with her children, and she's like washing her hands. Her hands are all messed up and have sores on them. But then we see some women show up with food, which I thought was so sweet. Yeah. They're like you know our husbands must their husbands must just work in the town whether they're coal miners or they're in another establishment of yeah. the town. Um, their f- husbands did not want them to work in the mine, which I mean, can't really blame the husbands for, you know, not wanting their wives right. to go into the mine, but it was like the least they could do was like fix food for mm-hmm. the woman who had been working hard all day. So I yeah. thought that was so sweet. I thought that was really, really kind as well, because 
if I was put in that position, like, you'd feel so helpless. You'd feel so bad for these mm-hmm. women sacrificing their possibly their lives mm-hmm. to go into this mine and provide for their children to try to keep their homes. Mm-hmm. And you'd feel so helpless that you, especially if your husband wasn't allowing it, but providing food can be very kind in its own way. Yes. So Abigail is back at the house and Elizabeth is there. And Abigail, of course, looks so tired and so sore. Poor thing. I feel so bad for her. Um, and Elizabeth looks out the window and she sees Jack on his horse and she, she goes out there and she's like, isn't, isn't there anything else you can do besides sitting there looking so smug? <laughs> Which is true. I mean, Jack is the Mountie or the constable, whatever you want to call him. Of uh-huh. Cole, like, Why isn't he, he in there helping those women? <laughs> I mean, like, what's he just doing? He just, I mean, it kind of has a point. Like, right. would he be like the first person to go in there and help them? I guess technically it's not his job to help. Maybe it would be because he'd be, he's a person that has to serve all of the community. So if he went in there, he would be kind of, uh, yeah, impartial. That's That's true. Probably why, but still, Jack, get your little booty in there. I know, right? And Jack, you know, states that he's concerned about the woman working in the mine. He says it's an impossible task. (laughs) And and then Elizabeth, because they are women. And he's like, says the woman who needed help with the crates. Oh, <laughs> Jack. Like, you think I'm weak? <laughs> Jack, you're treading on dangerous territory and right he told there. her to use her big city, city brains, brains. Which actually was probably good words because yeah. it helped her start thinking. That's true. And using those big city brains is probably better than making her stew and biscuits that she made for Abigail. Oh, my. Oh, no. Those... Those biscuits, as hard as a rock. Hmm. I would probably say I've probably made some things in my past that have been pretty hard like that. Oh, man. I wonder what her stew tasted like, though. I'm pretty insecure about my cooking, but I don't think I'm that bad. You need to be more confident. You're a good cook, Heather. Uh, I don't know about that. Practice makes perfect. I'm trying to be braver with my cooking abilities, but I wouldn't call myself the greatest cook in the world, but I'm trying. You do good. You make a good curry. Oh, um, pad thai. Oh, I make a good pad thai. that too. And anything with rice. I can make anything with rice. But anyway, going back to Elizabeth. So she goes to the saloon, and she takes Jack's advice. She gets some books that are... I'm guessing that were sent to her. That's my... I'm guessing they were in that shipment, maybe. I don't Probably. Know. So she pulls those off, and she's... <laughs> she tells... I can't even remember what the saloon owner's name is. She, he's like, we're closed. And she's like, I'm not here to drink. <laughs> Another drink reference. <laughs> so she's working, studying really hard, and she must have done it late into the night because she falls asleep. And the next scene... Oh, my word, this scene. So Jack comes down from the stairs of the saloon, from upstairs of the saloon, and he's staying there because he has no other place to stay right now. Mm -hmm. And he finds her sound asleep drooling on her research books and snoring, which she says she does not snore. Hmm. I don't know if we believe Elizabeth or not. <laughs> and so he he gets inspired by this and he writes her a little note. And I'm guessing he uses her own drool or does he lick it? 
to put it on her forehead? That was my question because <laughs> this is before the time of sticky notes. But I felt positive it really was a sticky note because I was really paying attention to when she pulls it off, uh-huh. and then when she it like stuck to her finger like a sticky note would when she was oh. holding it. I'm sure it was a sticky note. If it wasn't a sticky note, how would he have gotten it to stick? He would either had to have licked it or used her own drool to put it on her forehead. The first post-it note. <laughs> <laughs> <Her> sticky note. <laughs> cool Valley edition. <laughs> oh, man. I just thought that was a funny scene. But what did the note say? What did it say? It said, use the kids to help with research. So that's oh, exactly yes. what Elizabeth does. She pulls out these books and has the kids start looking for... Um, things associated with it was like home mm-hmm. she puts it on the blackboard yeah different like subjects to start looking up for like, different laws property mm-hmm. homes was it land mm-hmm. which is very clever it's like a seek and find yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then elizabeth is reading the old farmer's almanac oh. and gets an idea well actually no it wasn't elizabeth who found the old oh, farmers did? it was one of the kids and they brought it to her the scene cuts or goes to her looking through what the kids have found oh. and one of the kids found something that was under a domain after property or houses okay. and there was a little note so she opens it up and she starts reading and it's the ah, Domain Act. I didn't realize it was the children that found it. Yeah, I thought it, it was Elizabeth. No, it was one of the kids that found it, but she had to read through all of it to see if anything would work for them. So is the Old Farmer's Almanac the same as just, like, the Farmer's Almanac? Remember Grandpa Carlin? Mm-hmm. He would read the Farmer's Almanac. He was a farmer. It would predict, was it weather? All yes. this different stuff. Is that the same thing, I wonder? Yes. So a quick little history note. Uh, the very first Almanac, Farmer's Almanac, was originally published in 1792. Oh, wow. And that was wow. about... <laughs> That was while George Washington was president in his first term. That's when the very first one came out. And it served as like a guide for the weather. It had the sunrise, sunset times, tides. Mm. And yeah, isn't that amazing? Yeah, I'm sure I remember looking at one back in the day when Grandpa would would get them. He's, of course, passed by now. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I just I associate the farmer's almanac with Grandpa Carlin. Yeah, <laughs> yes. And then in 1900, Horace Ware took out some of the more scientific articles that were in there, okay. and he added a little bit more incorporated features for like modern life and nature. So that would make sense why the Domain Act was in there. Then. Okay, this- it wasn't just based on farm life. I wondered about that because that's what made me confused as if this was the same thing as the farmer's almanac that I know of. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, well, I didn't think that that type of stuff would be in there, but that makes sense. Yeah, okay. it just kind of changed over the years mm-hmm. of what was included, what was added, etc. Okay. So what she finds is the domain act in the almanac. <laughs> I'm trying to say that several domain times. Domain act in the almanac. Oh, it's not too hard. It's a little challenging. Sounds like a little rap. Yeah, a little rap. Gonna start rapping? Gonna start rapping? I'm not a rapper. Don't listen to me rap. <laughs> anyway, where was I going with this? Domain Act. Domain Act. She finds the Domain Act. She finds the Domain Act. In, in the Almanac. In the Almanac. And so what this was... Oh my word, I'm gonna Get lose it. Get it together, Heather. Oh, okay. Domain Act. And what this was 
was that the basically the widows or people could paint their houses or add improvements to the property that they are renting mm-hmm. or that was provided by was it a company, etc. Mm-hmm. So basically, if they put in a lot of work or money into and I think their, if they had been there for a certain amount of yes, time as well. Yes, if they've been there for a certain amount of time, had put money into property of making improvements. improvements and making it look nice, then they could somehow get rights to own the property or mm-hmm. file it in a court of law. Yeah, I think they'd have to go to the courts. They had to go to, to the, try to get to, yeah. them to petition to give them the property. Yeah, so that was the Domain Act. So then Elizabeth goes to the mercantile because she's going to buy paint because, like, let's paint these houses to improve them. I guess that would be the simplest, probably cheapest way to improve the houses. I I don't think so. I don't know what else you would do to improve them besides painting them, to be honest. Yeah, they needed a good coat of paint anyways. Mm -hmm. But we realize that she's using the money that her father sent her Mm -hmm. to buy all this paint to paint these houses. Which is very sweet of her. She's new to this community, and she really wants to help these widows. And she's using the money that her father gave her. Elizabeth goes to the mine to talk to the woman about this idea that she Mm -hmm. has. And the women have had it rough. They have, because previously, a little few scenes before... The bird, was it, what type of bird was it? A canary had stopped chirping in the mine. And supposedly, if the canary stops chirping, you need to get out of the mine. Because there's some type of gas gas that's going on and you just need to get out. And the canary was not chirping. So the woman, or at least one woman, (laughs) goes frantic, all out frantic. And she's like, we need to get out of the mine. So all the women go rushing out of the mine. Florence falls down on one of the, I don't know what she did. She fell down, hurts her leg, gashes her leg. And they're picking her up, trying to run out of the mine. And they're all coughing once they get out. And Abigail comes and the canary's still alive. And he's singing away. And he's singing away. False alarm. (laughs) All the women become extremely discouraged, I think, at this point. Yeah, I think they're all feeling pretty defeated and... Right before Elizabeth comes, they're talking and discussing how so many of women's ha- women have already hurt themselves. Mm. So I think Elizabeth's showing up with maybe a solution. Was mm-hmm. they they were very excited about and really willing to accept Elizabeth's idea, which mm-hmm. before they were shooting things down with the past episode when Elizabeth first arrives, they're not impressed with her at all. But you can kind of see them like, oh, she's she's trying to help. Yeah, they're starting to accept Even her, Even if it definitely. doesn't turn out quite as planned. The ladies are ready to paint the row houses. They're just waiting on Ned Yost to deliver the paint. But who shows up instead? Mr. Gowan and his Pinkerton friends. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I can't even... Oh, Mr. Spurlock, I think, is the yeah, Pinkerton's name. So. He puts down in front of Elizabeth two gallons of paint. And she was wondering, where's the rest of it? And he says, this is it. The company has already bought all the other paint. And this is when Mr. Gowan becomes a complete pain in the royal behind. (laughs) (laughs) It is so true because he definitely had to blackmailed Ned. Because you know they did not need that paint beforehand. No. And Ned had already told Elizabeth she could have it. So what did he say to Ned? To get him to sell the paint to him. I'm mad. I'm mad I mean, at he Gowan. Probably, well, no, he probably offered Ned a tremendous amount of money for probably. it. Probably. 
it because they um they gave Elizabeth back her, her money, money, which yeah. at least that was kind. I suppose. See, I've been sympathizing with Gowan for most of last episode, part of this episode, but right here, right now, I'm not happy. No, he's he's turning into a scumbag. Then Florence blames Elizabeth. I feel like it's Elizabeth's <laughs> fault. It's Florence, but it, I mean, it's like Elizabeth getting at Gowan, not Elizabeth. She probably just wanted to point and blame. So the women have to go back into that mine, and Elizabeth is just very perplexed and sad so they go back to the mine and they realize they've had a huge setback do you think some of the walls are the there was like a collapse or something because there's all these all their rocks and stones all their work that they've done has completely become undone and florence goes into a rage once again she loses it she loses it all out she says the company is trying to sabotage yeah because i think she thought somebody did that intentionally like somebody put it there Mm -hmm. to put it i mean do you think they really did i don't i don't think so uh that would even make gowan at this point i'm not on good terms with but if he did that i would be very very mad yeah, I I don't really foresee that's what happened, but I think it was just an accident. Things. And yeah. if you think about it, these women aren't experts in this trade. Mm-hmm. They could have not done it as they were supposed to because they were supposed to do like support beams and everything. Oh yeah, it wasn't just like clearing out mm-hmm. the shaft. It was yeah. doing way more like lumber work, all kinds of stuff, supporting the shaft, yeah. etc. The morale is very low at this point. Very, and many women are over it they're leaving mm-hmm. like we're so done. now it's only a few women that are going to try to clear this mine shaft by themselves which man like one of gowan's men just tells them to give up and go home and enjoy the time that they have but abigail, abigail. oh you go abigail she just looks at him she has her little canary she puts it or is it is it abigail or was it yeah, another no, lady i think it was abigail yeah. I, I can't remember. Anyway, they kind of ignore him and they just get to work. Well, Abigail was the first one who went to the pile and picked up the first stone. Yes. And another woman put joined. the yeah, joined and put the canary up, etc. Going back to Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth is in the saloon uh, teaching school. Well, not really teaching. She's just sitting at her desk while the kids are doing their schoolwork. And she's just very discouraged. And Rachel comes up to her and she gives her this piece of coal. And This part is so sweet. She Mm. tells Elizabeth, because in Rachel's mind, she's leaving. She says, I hope you learn to love Cool Valley as much as as I do. And Elizabeth sees that piece of coal. And this is when the spark ignites in Elizabeth's mind. Elizabeth gets kicked into gear, and she decides she is going to go help those women in the coal mine. And a really interesting little note. Normally, in the movies, it picks up with her coming in to help Abigail and trying to get that beam up. Mm-hmm. But there's another scene. I think it's either a deleted scene or it was in the TV episodes that Jack has a conversation with her as she's getting ready oh. to go into the mine. She's in her whole little mining gear and Jack's in Abigail's row house trying to convince her not to do it. And... <laughs> Elizabeth's just talking and she's like, no, I'm doing this. He's not too keen on the idea, but she goes ahead and goes out and helps the woman. Oh, that's interesting. I'm going to have to look up that scene. Yeah, it's it's a great scene. I kind of wish it was in the movies. So all the 
women, after Elizabeth shows up and starts helping, then you look and see all these women from the community coming and help. The ones that the husbands forbade them to mm-hmm. to go help, they're all showing up and they are determined to yes. clear this mine. And Florence comes back to help too. Yes. And she says, I figure if little Miss Princess can do this work, so can I. She loves the princess. That's the second time in this episode she's called her princess. Like what? I mean, after a while, I think I'd start feeling a little offended. <laughs> I, I am glad that Elizabeth doesn't take it too personally. Another thing, did you notice that Elizabeth was wearing her earrings? No. She, why would she have her earrings on? <laughs> None of the other women had their earrings in, but of Elizabeth course. shows up with her little earrings in, and I think it's just to add a little that she's definitely not from around here. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> so... Elizabeth and all the women come out of the mine then, and they, her and Jack have a little moment. Yes, it's very sweet. So she sees Jack, and he's looking at her, and he smiles, and he tips his hat, and then just shakes his head. It's so sweet. <laughs> he's like, I don't agree with what you're doing, but okay, bravo. Because I've never seen Elizabeth looking that torn up before. No. I don't think even in any of the future seasons have I ever seen Elizabeth looking that I mean, when she, came, when she came on this, everything that happened when she first came to Coal Valley, the stagecoach being robbed, all that. And she looked really good compared to how she looks now. She looks a mess, but kudos to her. So the woman accomplished the task, and you see them getting the deeds for their home. Which is so exciting. You can tell that they are just giddy with excitement. And just imagine that feeling of accomplishment. Yeah. That you earned your own house, that you did what no one else said that you could do, and you did it. And just the weight being lifted off of them. Mm. They don't have to worry about, you know, trying to have a shelter for their children. They have it now. Yeah. And I I enjoy so much that Gowan... There's this whole line of women, and Gowan's just sitting at his desk having to sign each and every, like, property ownership paper form, and it's just one after another. Eat your words. Yeah, right? Uh, Then we come to the last beautiful scene of Jack and Elizabeth walking. I don't even know where this scene was shot at. There's a lot of mountains, which we do not see mountains do we see mountains maybe just in the first season and then after that we don't really see the mountains okay this is funny because every once in a while in future seasons you will see the mountains like they'll just appear (laughs) they'll just appear and it has you questioning are they there which we know because we've been to the set that they aren't there. There's those type of mountains in the area. Yeah, but they're way off in the They're distance. way off. They're not around the set at all. Uh-huh. But it's just kind of interesting how the mountains appear and then they disappear. Yeah, consistency is not always one calls a heart strong suit. <laughs> but we love the show yeah, anyway. we do. <laughs> but yeah, I really wonder where that was shot at because it's so pretty. Do you think those... Mountains were real, though. Well, that's why I was trying to look to see if they were, like, digitally put in there or mm-hmm. if they, like, did go to Like, to another another area. Because it looked, to me, it looked really real. They did. Like, it didn't look like it was just, like, photoshopped in there. Mm-mm. But I, I don't know. It was really pretty. I really wish I knew where that was filmed at, if the mountains were real or not. Yeah. And did you notice Elizabeth's hat? 
Yeah, she that was a massive hat. I mean, she also had a pretty crazy hat when she went to the mercantile to buy the paint. Mm-hmm. Like, all those feather things coming out. <laughs> like, man, girl. Like, Apparently, the more feathers you wear in your hat, the more wealthy you are. Well, wouldn't that be kind of rude for Elizabeth to do that when she's, like, working in a... I mean, if that's true, that she was, like, using the feathers. Yeah, but this help probably came with her shipment from all the, all her other stuff. She wouldn't be like, fashionable. I'm going to wear this hat that has how many feathers so all the people in Coal Valley can know how wealthy I am. They already know she's wealthy. But this hat that she's wearing was definitely trendy for the time because it was more the wide-brimmed hats. Yeah, yeah. And the wide-brimmed hats, especially for this era, were really booming. So these hats included flowers, ribbon, lace. Feathers. Gorgeous. Really pretty, but a little imagine, extra. Yeah, I can't imagine wearing them. I, I feel like it would like just weigh weigh your head down. I know. I mean, I'm a fan of a good fascinator. Something like that. <laughs> I'm a huge royal fan. <laughs> she is. She's she's a little obsessed. I do have a podcast. Anybody want to listen to a good podcast? It's royally obsessed. It's great. <laughs> uh but yeah. Her hat also kind of reminded me of roses type of statement hats in the titanic oh you're right mm-hmm. totally yeah just a little nod to titanic fans out there well and this would have been close to the same time period yeah because the titanic sank in 1912, 1912. and this was 1910 i always remember the titanic sinking in 1912 because that was the year my great grandma was born. that's how so i remember it too like, in, okay what year was great grandma born 1912 that's the year the titanic, titanic sank. sank yep Oh, yeah. So, anyway, finishing out this scene, Jack and Elizabeth are talking a little bit back and forth and having their flirty banter once again. And it was just a really cutesy end scene. It was. It was really cute. Now it is time for our highs and lows. What are your highs and lows, Carrie? So, of course, my high would be the woman able to have their homes. Yes. I don't know if you can beat that. That is... Very exciting. Yes. And my low would be just the stress that the woman had to go through. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I guess, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I don't know if that's completely true, but, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's just stinks that they had to even go through this in the first place. Yeah, because they've already went through so, so much, and just it's another hurdle that they have to go through in their life. Mm -hmm. What about you, Heather? All right. So my highs, I believe, is the moment when the woman, I think it's Abigail, she picks up the very last rock Oh yeah. in the mine, and she holds it up, and all the women start cheering, and oh, it's just amazing. You just get the feels yeah, and excitement that that is a great scene. of what they have accomplished. Mm-hmm. So that would be my high. And my low is Mr. Gowan buying all the paint. Oh, yeah. Well, I didn't love Mr. Gowan because of all of the company and everything. Mm -hmm. But right at this moment, I'm very much beginning to dislike Mr. Gowan. Yeah, I think Gowan, like, you go through a phase with Gowan where you're just like, okay, who is this guy? And then all of a sudden you just, like, hate this person. And now if you're watching current seasons, the love for Gowan is going up. (laughs) The love meter is so high. Each season it gets higher and higher. I love Mr. Gowan or Henry. Okay, mm-hmm. I feel like Mr. Gowan is a different person than, than Henry. Henry. Oh yeah, totally. Don't you? I don't love Mr. Gowan. I don't like mm-hmm. Mr. Gowan, but I love Henry. I feel that Mr. Gowan is 
what they have called him maybe in the first few seasons, mm-hmm. but now it's Henry. Yeah. And maybe it was because he was part of the coal um, industry, mining yeah. industry, so he had this more of this title. He or now he's charge. just a part of the town. He's part of the community. Yeah. But we won't dive into that. Yeah. We'll save that for later. <laughs> All right, Heather, what is your hearty rating? How many hearts would you give this? This one, I would say it was a good episode. But I'm not going to quite rate it as high as the very first episode. Yeah, same for me. I would say I would give this one, what was my last rating? I think, was it an eight? Yeah, I believe so. I'm going to give this one, it sounds harsh. I'm going to give this one a six. I liked the episode. Mm -hmm. It was good, and I liked the whole woman community coming together. But it wasn't as much my favorite as some of the other episodes. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I was going to give it a 7.5. All right. 7.5. So precise. I know, right? All right. Well, that is the end of our podcast. You can join us next Friday. We will be dropping another podcast or another episode. You can follow us on Twitter at WCTH Podcast and on Instagram at When Calls the Podcast. Or you can drop us an email at when calls the pod at gmail.com. And until then, may you face every obstacle with courage, grace, and dignity.